Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. Today's guest is amazing. You are going to love him. His name is David Pere, and oh my goodness, I can't wait to introduce it to you. But first, I want to pay a little tribute to today because today is a very, very special day. It is the Army-Navy football game. Woo! That's right, guys. I don't know what you guys support out there, but I support Navy as it is my alma mater. And uh, I am predicting that we are going to win today. I don't know what you guys think. huh? You guys thinking it's going to be Army again? Nope, I don't think so. And I'm predicting it now, and you can quote me on it. Uh, So that later on today, when the game happens and Navy has their W, remember that I said it here first. All right? Anyway, (laughs) hope you guys are doing well out there. Regardless of who you're supporting, we are all one team, one fight. And we are all in this financial freedom journey together. So let us... Without further ado, kick on the episode. Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. How are you doing? I've got Dave Perret here with me, and it is awesome to have him here. He's got so much experience. I can't wait to share his story with you guys. Uh, he is the CEO of Millionaire, Military to Millionaire. Excuse me. He is a husband. He's a father of two beautiful children. He's an active duty Marine, and he's stationed in Hawaii. What's going on, Dave? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, Hawaii's uh, definitely not the worst place I've been so far. <clears throat> Jealous, getting ready to leave, and I'm kind of, kind of, it's a bittersweet. Uh, I bet. Well, uh, I am here on the East Coast and it is like 40 something degrees right now and very, very cold. I'm in a hoodie. It's 84 degrees in my house. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome, though. That is cool. Good stuff. I'm actually I'm actually heading out to Hawaii uh, in a couple of weeks. I completely forgot about that. But which island Uh, going to Honolulu or Oahu? Right. You'll, have to, you'll have to shoot me an email. We'll have to see if we can link up and grab coffee or something. Absolutely. No, That's my great. neck in the woods. Yeah. yeah, my wife's family lives out there, so we're going to be uh, going to visit them for a little bit. That's awesome. It's a great place. It's fun. So sweet, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about your military background, and how you got started in investing. Yeah. So Okay, so I'm an active duty Marine. I've uh, been in the Marine Corps for 10 and some change now. I uh, got started basically enlisted, you know, 18, typical story, traveled the world, shotguns, drove trucks, cool things, not so cool things, recruited, loved it, hated it, you know, all the normal military stuff. And then um, about three years ago, I was on recruiting duty and someone handed me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And they were like, hey, you should read this. It'll change your life. And I was like, yeah, uh, I'm a Marine. We don't read. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> so then he was like, all right, well, quit being a little girl. Download this app called Audible and drive around and listen to it. And I was like, uh, I'm too busy on recruiting duty, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, dude, how much time do you spend driving to and from high schools and to and from Kansas City 
on a weekly basis. And I was like, oh man, I don't know, like at least 10 hours a week, probably a lot more than that. I was like the drive to the, you know, MEPS is like three hours. If I have to drive a kid up there, I'm gone for the whole day. And he was like, perfect. So why don't you try this audible, this book and it'll change your life and it's better than the radio. And I was like, all right, fine, shut up. Like, just give me the book, you know, to be quiet or whatever. Like, gotta give me the referral code for Audible. Honestly, what's really what's really funny is that I, like I haven't even talked to the guy since because I didn't have like his phone number. It was just like a conversation in passing somewhere. And I wish like one of these days I'll run into him and thank him. So I start listening to it and I finish it in like I don't know the first week probably maybe not even that. And he was right; it changed my life. Right, everybody claims rich dad poor dad. Um, so then within like that month, I also read a book on rental property investing, Brandon Turner and a book on no and low money down. So both bigger pockets books. And that was, unfortunately, Audible won't timestamp when I finished the book, which is really frustrating because I would love to find out exactly what date I finished Rich Dad Poor Dad so I could do the math. But I think I read it in September or October and I had house hacked a duplex. I closed on December 28th. So within three months, because the biggest thing I took out of all those books was like, take action, take action, take action, you know, just get out there and do it. You'll learn everything. It'll all work out. Basic numbers, whatever. I wasn't even a pro member for bigger pockets. So I had like five times to use the calculator and I was like, okay, five times. So I like did all the numbers on paper and I was like, okay, these are the five best houses. Now I'll do the calculator. I used up the calculator and one of them happened to work out. Oh uh, so it just kind of timing, it worked out that like my apartment lease was coming up for renewal and then this was happening and all this other stuff. And, um, oh, man. yeah, so I used the FHA and I used the FHA, uh, now begrudgingly because I went to meet with a VA lender and he convinced me that I should save my VA for a better property. Cause this was just a cheap little, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. And the look you're giving me right now is exactly how I look at myself now. Um, yeah. Because unfortunately, and and you know this, and I know this, and all of us who are trying to perpetually, or not perpetuate, but uh, change this cycle, know that the VA loan is like the best benefit that the service members have, and yet the least understand. Uh, the military are understood. The military does a great job teaching everything else, but there's no like program on the VA loan and lenders don't know it or they don't like it because it's not always the easiest to use in a hot market or and so here I am now, three years later, I own this duplex, which I lived in for all of three months because I got married and moved moved to Hawaii like four months after buying it, I think, five months after buying it. So it was like, buy the property, live in, oops, I got orders, and now we're moving out of state um, <laughs> right. and rent it out. So it worked out great, except that I'm paying $81 a month in PMI. And so my building that's cash flowing 200 bucks should be cash flowing 300 bucks. And I oh, man. put, you know, so... Like, man, I can't go back retroactively and use the VA loan now. So right. uh, it was still a good deal. I still learned a lot. It's still been cash flow positive all three years. It's paid for what I put down on it with the FHA. So it's been solid. I just kicked myself because I'm like, why would a VA guy, VA quote unquote, tell me that, oh, you should probably save this because you don't want to waste it. Nah, I mean, I get it that the I would have had to use the entire VA loan if I bought out here in Hawaii, but at the time, we didn't know we were moving to Hawaii, so it was bad advice, right. um, which is why you guys have a VA mastery course, and I am not only hosting a VA panel next, uh, I guess it's next month now. Holy crap. I should probably get on planning that better. Um, 
it's all planned. It's just not advertised as well right, as it should right, be. Right. Yeah. Um, so I've got a VA panel I'm hosting in January and then trying to uh, repurpose some of that content and build like a YouTube, like three video series on like, here is why you should use the VA loan. Here is how you should use the VA loan. Exactly. And then just itching to PCS so I can buy my next house hack with the VA loan. Um, so fast forward uh, a little bit in time. And so we also own a single family home, which my wife had bought before we were married and then kind of like fixed up with her, with her dad and then they basically did a burr strategy without knowing it. It wasn't like a planned thing, but we we pulled a home equity line of credit out of it, which uh, we can kind of touch on in more detail here in a little yeah, bit. Um, through that, we we the, the my next purchase was five acres of raw land, which was totally not an wow. investment, but we found a way to make it an investment. Because um, basically, what happened is we had our house on five acres in Missouri and the guy next door to us had 10 acres. And we had always told him like, Hey, if you get ready to sell, we want the middle five, right? Like we'll split it up because it was two lots. And we're like, we'll, we'll buy the middle five off you. So we have the 10 acre plot. Okay. And uh, he was never going to sell like six months later, he gets uh, a job offer and he moves and he sells. And so he calls us and he wanted more than the land was worth. And it wasn't really an investment, but it was kind of one of those, like, if we don't, if we don't buy this, this lot is going to get sold to someone and they're going to build a house on it or we could buy it. We could have a 10 acre lot to retire on and we could even split it into, you know, three acre lots or four acre lots. And so we were like, okay, how do we make this work? Cause it's $350 a month in mortgage that we're not making any cash flow. And the answer is cattle. So I joked about this on bigger pockets. We, we cattle finance, which is basically that we owned like four cows and we grew it to 10. And so the difference in the amount of cattle we own and sell every year, beef cattle uh, actually pays for the mortgage and then some. So by just, yeah. So by having the extra five acres, we could have six more cattle on it. And by having the six more cattle, we make probably three to $4,000 a year in, in uh, beef money. And so I'm able to pay my mortgage every month and then just replenish with cattle money at the end of the year. And uh, yeah, so we basically bought it for the down payment, uh, which I think is hilarious just because I like joking about cattle financing, um, <laughs> which is intense, man. <laughs> funnily enough could even be more effective if I cared enough to try to change all the land over to like agricultural status, this, that, and the other. I mean, I could get tax breaks. I could get a, a farm mortgage. I could realistically, I could, if we ever, wanted to buy more land, I could make it a very profitable way to do business. Whereas right now it's just kind of break even, but, um, true. there's a lot of benefits to cattle. In fact, in places like Texas, uh, you know, property taxes are very, very, very high, but if you own a certain percentage of cattle per acreage, it gets cut like 80%. And so there's guys who buy cattle just to save on property tax. Cause they're like the cows cost less than the taxes. So oh my God, um, that's incredible. Yeah. So anyway, so it, food for thought for those of you who live out in the country, uh, cows can, I mean, for one, they'll mow your yard, uh, for two, they're going to save you money. And for three, it's hilarious to say you cattle finance <laughs> something. So I'm going to start a cattle, trend one of these days. Cattle financing. <laughs> Man, I'm serious. You could probably write a book on that. Cattle financing. That'd be epic. And then of course, uh, too, later on, when you do move there, you could probably refinance it under your VA loan. So, you know, yep. I mean, I don't know, you know, how, if that'll fit in or whatever, but, but that's intense, man. <laughs> so, I'm writing that down. <laughs> so it's, it's fun to joke about. Uh, so, and then, um, you fast forward about a year, 
out here in Hawaii, we looked for some houses, the market out here. I mean, it's nuts. I go from, you know, 40 grand for five acres. So eight, eight grand an acre. And that's overpaying, uh, to coming to Hawaii and the median home price is like $825,000 out in town. And that's for like an eighth of an acre and a house that looks like it's about to fall over. Um, and so, you know, we tried to use the VA out here, but I've learned very quickly that if I was going to use the VA, I was going to have to commute to the other side of the island. It was like a 45-minute commute. Wife was pregnant. I got told, no, we live in base housing. So um, base housing is actually much nicer than what I would have been able to afford out in town. I have a great view, great neighborhood. You know, I just kicked myself because I'm not making equity off my monstrous BAH. But right. I mean, to put this in perspective, I offered, there's a property that was listed for like, 715 and the max for the VA out here is 721. So I offered like 730 with the VA. I was like, I'll pay the 20% down for the little bit extra. Right. And someone came in at like 800,000 cash. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I can totally compete with you paying $90,000 over asking price in cash. Yeah. The wow. VA loan. Why would they not pick me? Um, so I learned very quickly. It wasn't happening in our, Jeez, our side of the man. woods. Uh, at least not without the headaches that the wife wasn't going to let me deal with. Um, so instead we did a little wholesaling out here, which is, you know, not my normal gig, but it, it works as a way to build some wealth to send it home. And then, um, we set our goal this year to buy, I was going to buy three rental units and we read, uh, right as I was writing my goals last year, I finished reading the 10 X rule by Grant Cardone and my three rental unit goal added a zero to it. And I was like, yeah, that's totally not going to happen, but maybe I'll get five. <laughs> And lo and behold, I've got 50 units in the last nine months. So uh, I'm definitely sending Grant Cardone a Christmas card this year to say, hey, by the way, thanks. Um, Your book is awesome. Uh, And yeah, so we bought a, sorry, we bought a 10 unit. Um, the 10 unit was actually a result of last December. I went home for Christmas and I sent a bunch of uh, letters. I pulled a tax records for absentee homeowners. So people who owned a duplex and didn't live in it, uh, via tax record. And a couple of people called me back. There are a couple of places I was going to check out. And then this one guy called and he was like, yeah, Hey, I got your letter. I have a duplex. And I was like, Oh, cool. He's like, I don't want to sell it to you. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, like why'd, why'd you call me? Right. Most people just don't call me. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, well I have a 10 plex. You want to look at that tomorrow? And I'm like, sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's a little bit out of my league, right. but yeah, why not? Um, and it was a, probably like a C D class and a like a C class at a D neighborhood. Just not a not a great building, not a great area. Right. Two of the ten tenants were sex offenders. I mean, it was like everything wrong, Man. but it was priced at like three percent rule. So I was like, oh, everything's wrong with this. What do I do? And my property manager comes in and looks at it and walks through with the inspector, and she was like, do it. I'm like. All right. And so it, it took like four years or four years, four months to get it stabilized. I had to evict those two because I didn't want sex offenders. There was another one I ended up having to evict. Um, someone decided to run into my roof with a U-Haul truck and then U-Haul has oh. been denying it for like six months. So still, um, it, it's been, it's one of those properties where for the first like three months I would find like mattresses dumped in the front yard because the neighbors found out I would clean them up. Um, since that time, we've painted it, we've changed everything over. And in the last five months, I've not had, my expenses have been super minimal and it's cash flowed more than a hundred dollars a door without, uh, you know, after all expenses and everything. And we bought that thing for, I think 10,000 out of pocket because we did 85% bank 
or 80% bank and then 15% seller. And then the 5% came out of the HELOC. So it was 10,000 out of pocket, but it was out of a home equity line of credit. And we've made, I think like 6,000 out of cash flow this, this year after three evictions and uh, remodeling all three units plus painting the building. So uh, all things considered, you know, next year, next year, you knock on wood that we don't have any crazy expenses because those were planned for. So as long as we don't have any super crazy unplanned expenses, expenses uh, next year, it will have made more than paid all the cash off that we put into it. And it'll be absolute profit. Um, not too bad for having sent a, you know, hundred dollars worth of letters out. Actually, they weren't even a hundred dollars because I wrote them all by hand sitting on duty one night, which is terrible. Don't, I don't ever write. <laughs> now, now my philosophy is if I'm targeting a specific house, I'll write it by hand. Otherwise I'll click print and, uh, and I will just sign it. Um, cause man, that was like, I was on 24 hour posts and it still didn't get them all done. I'm like sitting in meetings, writing letters with my hand cramping up and, um, oh, but it worked. So, you know, whatever, if a hand cramp buys me a property, I'll go, I'll go write some more letters, I guess. Uh, let's see, fast forward the rest of the story. Um, my agent called me out of the blue, found an off market deal on Craigslist. It was kind of a hodgepodge and it's honestly been a hodgepodge ever since we closed with things that were contractual that shouldn't have happened happening or had should have happened, not happening. Um, that being said, it's still it's still cash flowing, just not nearly what it should be for what we paid for it. But we bought a, it's like forty units. It's like twenty five residential, fifteen commercial, uh, sixty seven thousand square square feet on five acres, um, and it's one of those things. It just is too good not to not to t- not to jump on the grenade. So we we bought it with my partner and I. I brought in a partner. I did the rich uncle strategy where my uncle partnered with me. Um, actually our LLC is called one uncle deep, which is like his, <laughs> his biggest joke to me. Cause now every time someone writes a check or I call a bank, I have to tell them I'm the one uncle deep LLC. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> uh, so we're a great partnership cause he's awesome and hilarious. And he basically is like, right, hey, right, call right. me, call me once a week and tell me what happened with the building. And that's about it. Um, that's crazy, man. So we, we put $150,000 down on a, we did a lease option purchase, which is not normally how I would opt to do stuff, but because of how this building is, honestly, it was great because the lease option means that three years from now, five years from now, I have a 10 year option. So within the next 10 years, I can refinance and take up full ownership or, uh, you know, or sell the building and just collect the difference between the lease option price and the sales price. But what it also means is that my downside is if everything falls apart, we lose our money, which you would in a normal transaction, but there's no bankruptcy. There's no foreclosure. There's no legal process. It's, Hey, uh, you're behind this much on payments. The building's mine again. Oh, well that sucks. I lost my money. But in the grand scheme of things, it could be a lot worse. I could, I could turn around in a, you know six months and buy another property because there's nothing on my, on my credit. Uh, so we bought this thing, 150,000 down, 2.8 valuation, 2.8 million valuation. Uh, the numbers on this thing are astronomical compared to any other numbers. I mean, the, it's, it's nuts. I see like an $8,000 utility bill and I freak out. And then I see, oh, 25,000 in income and we still have 11,000 in the bank account. I'm like, oh, okay, $8,000 utility bill is not as bad as I thought. Um, so it's it's been a much larger headache. I learned a lot about personnel and hiring people, uh, that I never would have learned. 
But the upside is that we could, the building stands to have the, it, it stands to be able to almost double in value. And so the upside is so much bigger than the potential downside. So we pulled the trigger and went for it. And my 50 grand was full HELOC. Um, so I honestly haven't put a penny into it outside of paying my, my home equity line of credit. So in, in, in summation, I bought 50 units this year without a penny coming out of my business account other than normal bills and paying the HELOC, which is a total of like 300 bucks a month. And yeah, it's been crazy. And I'm still crossing my fingers and like holding onto the roller coaster that this big thing becomes like this monstrous success story, overnight success thing. And not like, oh man, I wish I hadn't talked about that on podcasts. <laughs> but uh, either way, I've learned a ton and people pay 50 grand for an education in real estate without buying a building. So I figure if I, if I pay 50 grand and I bought a $3 million building, at least I have a cool story. There you go. And that brings us to now, I think. <laughs> Fast forward through some podcasts yeah, and some right. talking and some random connections via emails. And all of a sudden, I'm hanging out with you on, on Zoom. Exactly. Hey, but this is a good place to be, man. And now having been 50 properties or 50 units, I'm sorry, deep here at the end of the year, man, that's impressive. That is absolutely impressive. Not setting my goal that high next year. I'm trying to, I've told my wife that until we PCS and VA house hack a fourplex, uh, I'm not allowed to buy anything. That being said, I wrote three offers this month on, on smaller flips and burr strategies and on, on wholesaling. So you're doomed. (laughs) It's yeah. I know. It's like, it's like, don't buy anything. Hey, have you seen this one? Like the wholesalers, (laughs) you know, as soon as I say, I'm not going to buy anything, the wholesaler sends me a house. that's like, they want 18,000 for it. And it's after repair values, a hundred and it needs 20,000 at work. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) and so it's like, told my wife now exactly or you know someone will probably show you one of those letters that you wrote to them like you know months ago and it's like hey are you still interested in buying i just i just spent a thousand well nine hundred dollars on uh like 400 direct mail outs targeting probate people in the county of honolulu um so well the nice thing out here is i've built as much as i don't like the wholesaling world i've I'm, well, I'm actually a licensed realtor in Hawaii now too. That was kind of something oh, wow. else that happened this year. Yeah. So I kind of figure like I don't have to pay commission if I, so what I'm going to do, my plan along all along has been if I find a wholesale now, instead of saying, Hey, give me, you know, five or 10 grand for the property. I will say, Hey, here's the property. Just let me be the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. Um, and out here with the way commission works, when we're talking like you buy a house at 600,000 cause it's falling apart and you sell a house for a million cause you fixed it up. That's like 25 grand in commission. If you, once you factor it in together, yes. um, and without as much marketing costs, because this thousand letters is reaching 367 people that have all had somebody who owned the property passed away in the last quarter, but they don't know that's why I'm mailing them. So in, in theory, in fact, my phone rang four times yesterday from it, but I let them go to voicemail so I can kind of not deal with the headache, um, kind of screen them out that way and then call them back. So I got to call them back this afternoon. But in, in theory, I mean, it, it, one of those properties will will be enough to make the whole thing worthwhile. So we'll see what happens. So yeah, as much as I'm saying, I'm not buying anything else. And I'm, it's, a, it's you know, it's, uh, I think it's just to hear myself say it that I'm 
and right. pretend I'm being reasonable when the reality is like the moment the property drops in front of me, I'm going to pull the trigger and be like, okay, now how do I find money for this? So <laughs> well, that is awesome, man. Listen, I, I'm, I am absolutely inspired by that because you know, you're, you were maybe a year ago, right? A little over a year ago, you picked up rich dad, poor dad, you decided, Hey, I'm just going to take action. You know, let's just make it happen. And now here you are, you know, with, Everything that you're doing now, 50 units deep, and you've got your seeds planted all around looking for more deals. Even though you're telling yourself you're not going to do it, I could totally see yourself doing it. And uh, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, and all of this on a lowly enlisted salary. On a lowly enlisted salary, you know, which is not so lowly considering. No, what no, you're no. Able to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I tell people, in fact, I gave a class yesterday on finances in the military and, uh, and like at the very end of it, I was like, all right, guys, look, we all get told and we all know like the military doesn't make any money. That's what everyone says. The reality is that your incomes don't define your wealth, your your expenses define your wealth. And we as service members are atrocious with our money. And I'm pointing at myself because I am probably one of the worst at, you know, everything. Yeah. I mean, it's like everything that you, that I tell people not to do now, I'm like, Keep in mind, I did this, and that's why I'm telling you that. Right. Uh, you know, from blowing my Afghanistan money on a Harley that I totaled to, oh. uh, yeah, to buying all the random beater cars, convinced I was able to fix them up and make them worth millions, and then buying rifles I can't even take to my duty duty stations, and tattoos, and booze, and random protein powders that I make halfway through and then never finish, and all the terrible things that Marines typically do. Uh, and yet I've slowly turned around and figured it out and been able to do this. So like if you could figure it out at an early age, holy smokes, at the end of four years, you could be buying houses left and right and be totally set up for success. Exactly. Exactly, dude. You're absolutely right. And you've learned a lot along the way too. So can you break us, can you break down the whole home equity line of credit thing for, yeah. for our listeners? Yeah, I, I wanted to like, you know, breathe and let you talk because I realized I went on like a 15 minute rant about myself there. It must be the caffeine this morning. Oh, no um, worries, man. No worries. For those of you who don't know, uh, it is now 5.15 in the morning. We've been recording since like 4.40, 4.30. So I'm a I'm an early bird crazy guy. Um, that's like the only time to fit this into my schedule nowadays. Uh, anyway, so the home equity line of credit is, I mean, it's basically kind of like a refinance, except I like it more. Uh, so people know the, the burr strategy where you like buy a house, you fix it up and then you, uh, you basically, you refinance it, you pull your money out and you still own the house. The HELOC is basically the same thing. It's so for sake of numbers, let's say I owned a hundred thousand dollar house, but I only owed 50 grand on it. Mm -hmm. Most banks will let you pull 75 to yeah, seventy-five to eighty percent back out as a as a HELOC. So if I owe fifty on it and it's worth a hundred, and I could pull let's say eighty percent, so eighty grand out, then they would give me the difference. So thirty thousand as a, a home equity line of credit, and it's basically like a reversed credit card or a checking account. So it is this account of thirty grand that sits there, and then you can you don't pay a penny on it. So you you pulled this account out and it just sits there. And it's like, great, I have 30 grand now. What do I do with it? Nothing. Because, you know, with a normal loan, you're as soon as you get that 30 grand, you're making payments on it, whether you're using it or not. With the home equity line of credit, it just sits there. It just sits there and it just sits there. And then one day you're like, ooh, I'm going to use this. You write a check 
and all of a sudden you make a payment, but you only make a payment on the money that you uh, that you used. And it's most of them are very reasonable interest rates. I mean, like two, three. I think mine was like three point four nine percent. I think it just jumped because of interest rates, but. Um, most of them are interest only payments up until like mine's like a 20 year, you know, amortization. So I could basically pay 300 bucks a month, I think is my minimum right now. And I've used 60,000, $67,000 in my HELOC. Oh, wow. Um, nice. I think my, I think my monthly payment on it's like 300 bucks. Now I will never pay it off at 300 bucks, but I won't have to pay that 67 off for 20 years. Um, I pay more than the 300 to, you know, make it, yeah. bring it back down. Mm-hmm. The other benefit to this is the way it all works out is because it's part of your home equity, you don't really have to pay it off. I mean, realistically, I could sit here and write the minimum payment and have basically used this free money for 300 bucks a month. And that would be a loss of you know funding. But if I ever got to the point where I was like, oh man, I don't think I can pay this off, sell the house. And as long as your house sells for what it was appraised for, loans paid off, you're done. You're good. Problem solved. That's it. Uh, and so I, I love it. And then the best part, in my opinion, is that as you pay it back off, you can reuse it. It's again, it's not a normal loan. So it just money goes back in the bank account. You're not paying interest on it anymore. And then you can reuse it. So what I've been doing lately is instead of pumping 1500 a month into my business account, I'm just pumping 1500 a month back into my HELOC because putting money in the business checking account or putting money into the HELOC is the exact same thing. Either way, I can write a check with it. Um, one I pay interest on, one I don't. So it's it's super cool. It's even cooler because I'm not going to say that my, if anyone's ever listening, I'm not mentioning my bank or anything, but someone messed up numbers and I was only supposed to get like a $40,000 HELOC and they gave me like 95% loan to value. And I opened my account once it got done and was like, this is like almost $30,000 more than I was supposed to have at a HELOC. And I called them and they're like, yeah, that's the amount. I'm like, I'm not asking any more questions. I'm going to keep it. Thanks. I'll do that. Bye. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh yeah. My, my equity level on that house is ridiculously terrible, but it has worked out for me. I'm not going to complain about having a, it's literally, it's a $72,000 line of credit when it should have only been like 40 or 50. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> that is awesome, man. So if you're listening, my name is different than what he said. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> we're talking to uh, Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just give him some more heat. Yeah, he can lose thirty grand. I think he'll lose be all right. grand. That'll be straight. <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, that is awesome, man. Wow. So, guys, uh, if you're listening to this, this is absolutely amazing because um, this is one of the awesome strategies you can use with a HELOC to build your portfolio. But even better too, you know, uh, you've you've heard you know the other podcasts where we taught you guys how to use your HELOC to pay off your home faster as well. You know, this is something you can compound. So if you're using your VA loan, you're going to buy your home. If you want to pay off some of that equity and then also use it to invest, like David here, uh, this is a killer way to really increase your portfolio. I mean, 50 units in one year is impressive, man. That is absolutely cool. And to yeah. do it with HELOC is even cooler. I, that, that's amazing to me. It's uh, it's been fun. It's been a it's been a crazy ride. I uh, that last big unit was like all the way through. It's been a ah, should I? Should I not? Should I? Should I not? Even now, it's kind of like I don't know if I should have or should I. Like nothing has come to light yet as far as whether this was a good decision. One day I'm like, yay, this was awesome. I've got this awesome property. And the next day I'm like, why did I buy this thing? My it's such a headache and. Um, it's been a very strange property, but my like 
final decision point on all of this was I like sat there and was like, well, here's the best thing that could happen. And here's the worst thing that could happen. Either way, it'd make a good story. Screw it. Exactly. And that's basically where we ended up. I was like, it'll, it'll create good content for the blog. So there you go, man. That's what it's all about, dude. So I have another question for you. Yeah. Something else that you mentioned um, in your opening as well. So the 3% rule, I think this is something that, you know, is probably a foreign concept to a lot of folks that don't have the investor lingo, but can you explain where that kind of comes from and Yeah. So uh, for starters, it's actually known as the 1% rule. 3% is one of those things that makes it justifiable to buy a property you shouldn't buy. Um, (laughs) So the 1% rule basically says that the gross rent for a building or a property should be 1% of whatever the total or whatever the purchase price is. So if you buy a hundred thousand dollar home, it should rent for a thousand dollars. And it's just a rule of thumb. Every, every area is different. Like in Hawaii, it would be like the do the quick math here, probably like the 4% or the 0.4% rule, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like you rent place much. rents for like $4,000. It's worth like a million. Yeah. Like a 0.4% rule. Something so like that, it's yeah. not very good. Um, whereas in Missouri, it's in, in my neck of the woods, it, it probably averages like 1.2 to 1.4% ish. Yeah. So I could buy like an eight for me, I bought an $81,000 duplex and it rents for a thousand fifteen total. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I could do the math. It's probably about one and a quarter percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the 1% rule is just a super simple, like I have a video on YouTube that's like how to analyze a property in seven seconds. And that's, that's it is this divided by or times 1% equals what it should rent for. If those don't add up, don't, don't mess with it. Um, but it's a very general rule of thumb. So you need to know in your area, you know, run the numbers on a couple different properties and find what the norm is. Uh, but for me, when I saw a three or a 3% rule, um, that was basically like, okay, right now this building's making 4,500 a month. It, it should be about 6,000 a month. And the guy's got it listed for like, uh, I think he had it listed for 250. We got it under contract at 225, negotiated some other stuff and bought it for 212. Um, so I bought it for like 212,000 and it currently rents for, I guess right now it's like a 2.3% rule, 2.2% rule, but it's slowly working its way up as we replace tenants and, uh, do more rubs for utilities that rub is basically me saying, Hey, this is all on one meter, but you're paying X amount per month to cover utilities. And I just split it up among the tenants. Um, yeah. it's an older building. So remetering it is not worth the, the headache, especially when the electrician went in it and was like, so everything's up to code, but if I touch anything, I'm going to have to bring it up to current code. So you should just leave it. I was like, okay, thanks. Appreciate the heads up, dude. Um, so yeah. Sometimes it pays not to modernize things. I completely hear you. My neighbors are doing that right now at the property right next door. It's like seven units inside there. Even though some of them are kind of like, you know, skeleton from like a closet or not a closet, <laughs> like a garage, you know, or like a some hodgepodge units. Hodgepodge units, yeah. But they've got, you know, all these meter meters now that they have to connect because uh not even I don't think it was the city that came. I'm pretty sure it was Dominion Power, right? Just the electric company that came just to check out some stuff. And they said, hey, none of this stuff is is up to code. And they started pulling permits. And the property never had a permit for any of the electric work that got done. So they got shut down immediately. And it was just a whole thing there. So definitely, definitely do your research, guys, yeah. <laughs> before you buy something. Because you don't want to be stuck with something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was going to cost me like $30,000 to some meter. Yeah. And I would and I would save, like, I think I would have made 
like saved. I think my utility utility bill is like seven, seven, eight hundred a month. So right. it would have taken me what like four years to get the thirty grand back. Not worth and it. I don't know that I'm going to hold it that long. So, okay. um, <laughs> you know, we've already increased the value almost a hundred grand on hundred grand on that building. I think so. Uh, All right. I probably like a year and a half down the road, I'll be like, great. Let's uh, post this thing online and just see what happens. And if it sells, great. And if it doesn't, I still own it. So there you go. Yeah. All right, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. And thank yeah. you for explaining that uh, that rule there. Um, awesome, man. All right. So I'm going to take you into the bonus round. We have uh, Ooh, given us. Like yeah, you've given us so much knowledge, man. I really appreciate your time. I'm going to get you out there so you can go on, get to work. But I'm um, going to watch people not drown. Yes, very important, <laughs> especially for folks who can't swim. <laughs> oh, and, uh, if, there's, if there's someone who can't swim in this course, I think there's a fundamental problem with the screening process. So uh, for those of you who didn't, I guess I didn't mention it earlier, I'm, the joke is that I'm sitting here in uniform right now because I'm like spending the whole morning starting at six in the morning, uh, basically watching the water survival school training. So making sure that I'm, I'm the safety guy. It's not exciting, but it's better than being in the office. <laughs> exactly. It's better than being in the office. Maybe you could take a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad with you. Huh? I have <laughs> a stack of books, actually. We'll see how much I get to read. Oh, there you go. Good. Um, all right, cool. So first question, and on that topic, right, what's your favorite book? Oh, uh, mm, man. Go for it. That is such a broad do we want to like categorize um, your absolute favorite book, man? The one that you recommend to like anybody on anything. Oh, that's such a hard call. So I would, I would, man, that, that's so hard not to narrow it down. Yeah, I might talk about something. Really I might, if you want, that's fine. I honestly, the first book I recommend to people is rich dad, poor dad, or, or set for life by Scott trench. Cause those are both very, well-rounded all-around uh books okay and then i'd probably you know it's another bigger pockets book i'd probably say long distance real estate by uh real estate investing by david green and i think that fundamentally that's just because i was when i read it um i might be a little biased because he's a friend but uh when i read it i was living in hawaii investing in missouri and i had systems so to read a book that's very very articulate and explains in a very simple way how to invest long distance, my systems improved a lot. And uh, so it, it helped me write more offers, build a better team. I actually fired an employee because of it. Um, so it, it's, it's, it, I think that's probably one of the ones I'd recommend because, you know, as military, we travel a lot. So long distance investing is probably something you're going to have to deal with if you invest in real estate in the military. Sure. Very also admittedly i haven't got your book in the mail yet to read it so i don't know it <laughs> might be number one no worries man no don't even worry about it that's awesome yeah, this is good knowledge here too and uh long distance real estate investing is a good one i have not picked it up yet but i've heard so many good things about it so well if you make it to hawaii and want to read it in like the one day or two or week you're here i'll be happy to throw it at you all right so. cool <laughs> sounds good man definitely okay question number two who is your biggest hero and why? And it can be anybody. Oh, man, you're asking the good ones today. The hard questions, man. You know, 
I don't want to plug bigger pockets again. Go for it, man. Listen, it's all good. This is so folks can get to know you. You've got a lot of friends there. Go for it, man. I might, I might have to, I mean, there's, there's a lot of very large scale heroes when we talk military and there's a lot of very large hero scales. Like when we talk like Ronald Reagan or, or thought leaders, like I love Tim Ferriss, everything. Tim Ferriss is amazing. I was struggling not to name his book. Um, There's a guy named Bedros Killian. He's amazing. But I think in part, I might say Brandon Turner. Uh, And, you know, and that's a very tough question to answer because the more you read and the more you learn, the more there's just so many people out there that are doing amazing things. But I think the thing that sticks out to me about him is having met him in person. He's so humble and just such a, I mean, he's got his life together, right? Like he's not just this guy who did really well in real estate. He's this guy who did well in real estate, is willing to help you, is very, very, very nice, has a family life, is, you know, spiritual, is generous, is, um, I, I think it's just kind of, he just, he's the real deal, you know? And so I don't, I haven't had a chance to meet some of these other guys that I really, really look up to. So it's hard to put them on a pedestal above someone I have met and turned out to be just as awesome in person. So maybe that's fair, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say maybe so that if he ever watches this, he won't think I'm just kissing butt. <laughs> so not Brandon Turner. Um, no, uh, <laughs> Got you, dude. That's awesome. No, man, that's good stuff. Awesome. And, uh, I mean, really, really influential guy. And for those of you guys who don't know what Bigger Pockets is, you definitely need to know what Bigger Pockets is. I mean, they're probably the largest, you know, like real estate education platform that's out there for our country. But um, great, great group of guys. They have a podcast too. Make sure you go listen to it. And as a matter of fact, our guy David here was on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was I was on a newbie episode. I'm one of uh, like three people on episode 281. 281. Okay, cool. Well, there will be a link to that episode as well here in the show notes. So make sure you guys go check that out as well. Awesome. And last question, question number three. Is this one going to be a stumper too? It's probably going to be a big stumper, man. Uh-oh. You got three nuggets, right? It doesn't have to be three. It can be one, two, but if you keep it to three, what are the nuggets of wisdom that you can share to those who are getting started? Totally not a stumper. Learn, network, take action. Love it. Outstanding. Um, yeah. So I, and to expound just a little bit. Go for it. People ask me this all the time and and I'm sure you get the, it's really weird. It's like you hear people saying things that happen as you get bigger and then you're right. like, oh yeah, that'll never happen to me. And then slowly things start getting bigger and all of a sudden you're like, like yesterday I got home from work and I hadn't checked my social media I had like 30 notifications on Facebook and like 11 messages in my inbox on Instagram. And I was like, oh man, this is where it happens where I get home and I'm like, I need to respond to everyone because that's the right thing to do. But I also need to like like (laughs) talk to my wife because that's the right thing to do. Um, Last night was one of the first nights in a minute where it was like bedtime and I was still sitting here in Cammy's like, huh, that was an interesting day. (laughs) Um, So anyway, um, so people ask all the time and and learn. And a lot of people's knee-jerk reaction for learn is mentor. And mentors are awesome. But I would tell you that don't don't go find a mentor. Like don't don't do that. There's like people who say there's like this whole like hype around that word. And it's it's a scary word if you get asked to be someone's mentor because you're like, I'm taking on all this responsibility and what if I 
you don't give them bad advice. Um, right. So I would, I would say don't go look for a mentor, which is totally controversial, but learn, i.e. read books, listen to podcasts, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. And then, you know, what I was doing when I first started and the reason I found bigger pockets is because I listened to like rich dad, poor dad. I listened to rental properties and I like would Google like, Oh, how do I do that? Google, 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 and then Bigger Pockets was pop up. So the reason I ended up on Bigger Pockets because I finally was like, okay, all of my questions are getting answered in their forum. I might as well just Google their forum rather than right. the question. But yeah, I would literally just sit there with the phone, and whether I was talking to Google and Alexa, and you know, just asking questions, and basically, like, if you if you're learning about a concept and you're like, oh, I don't know that, just Google it real quick, and you know, I would send myself like text messages, hey, ask about this, and then I'd go home and like learn about it. So take some time, Google. One of the things I did, they say that watching TV at night is terrible for you. Don't do it in bed. Never put a TV in your bedroom. It's super anti-productive. I like watching stuff before I fall asleep. I always have. And as unproductive as that is, I hooked up my my uh, TV to where I can watch YouTube. And so I'll have like two or three things that I want to research. And then I have to, I have to work with the wife on this now to where like one out of every two or three videos is comedy or SNL or something. But, but I will sit there and go, okay, Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about what I want to talk about and watch Gary a video Vaynerchuk. on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll sit there and watch uh, YouTube videos on people that I want to learn from or subjects I want to learn. And I'll do that and kind of gets my TV fix out of the way and I learn something. So, and then network. Uh, so once you've learned a little bit, or even before you learned a bit, a little bit, network, network, network. So go find a meetup um, and just ask questions. Don't be the guy who shows up to the meetup and tries to impress people by pretending you know more than you do because people will see through that. Just ask questions. Be genuine. Be the guy who says, "I'm Nick, the freaking new guy. Help me," because um, people will. Uh, I actually host a meetup out here, which is if there's not a meetup in your area, I would say start one. That's a shout out to Brandon Turner. He was in town one day. It was like, Hey, there's no meetups on your side of the Island. And I was like, yeah, I know it's super inconvenient. He's like, let's do one next week. You start it. I'll show up. We'll have some people. I was like, okay. And, uh, it's been going for seven months now meetings tonight. Uh, I bring pizza. We hang out. It's Hawaii. So we've changed the venues. We now meet at the nice. beach park under a pavilion. Um, go. and it's super cool to, you'll see me in shorts and a t-shirt tonight, eating pizza at the beach, uh, talking real estate and it's December. So for all of you listening to this, I'm going to remind you that I just said it's December and I'll be in shorts at the beach. So be jealous. Um, so network because it's amazing how much you learn just from meeting people. I mean, even if you just go there and you have no idea what you're doing and you just walk up to people and be like, hi, I'm Dave. Uh, I don't know anything. What do you do? And then people will talk because people like to talk about themselves and uh, myself included. So if you ask me questions, I'll talk about myself um, <laughs> more than I should. And then uh, the final one is the most important. And that is the take action. And the reason I say that is the most important is because all of the learning and networking does nothing if you don't do anything with it. And people get stuck in analysis paralysis. And I will tell you that I had no idea what I was doing when I bought that duplex. In fact, when I bought that duplex, I hadn't even started interviewing property managers. I didn't find a property manager until I'd owned it for two months. And I was intent on not being the manager. And I just forgot to find a property manager and then couldn't find a good one. Um, I never used that realtor again, not because she wasn't any good, but because I just forgot to, like, I didn't network at all over the next few months. And so it was like, I just lost contact. And then when I went looking for houses again, I found someone else because I just wasn't, I mean, there were so many mistakes I made in that first one, but the numbers worked. 
at least somewhat. And, and that's, you know, if you take action, I, I learned more from taking action and doing that, uh, than I would have had I not. And with everything, I mean, even this, this monstrous property, right. I was terrified of pulling the trigger on a guy who makes, you know, military salary, which in Hawaii is okay with BAH, but I don't see that. So let's just say 60,000 a year, which is probably being generous. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the W2, it's, it's less, but you know, you factor in benefits, it's probably around 60 to 80. Um, so let's just say 60,000, which is like median income to purchase a $2.8 million building is a little bit scary. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I could have not done it. And I would be sitting here going, I bought 10 units this year and that would be good. And there would be nothing wrong with that. But instead I'm sitting here going, Hey, we bought 50 units this year and Holy crap, this has been a crazy ride. And that's, I mean, it might not end up being great, but you know what? I've learned so much. I mean, through the last two months, I've had to fire my first employee. I've had to hire my first like physical 1099 employees. I've had to I've had to redo a fire suppression system in a building and an emergency evac system. And I've had someone, I've had an angry person who I fired literally put a metal bar up behind the bars in the kitchen, turn all the faucets on and flood the kitchen um, and, and say it was an accident. Uh, and then, um, and of course the camera was magically disconnected. So there was no way to prove that it wasn't an accident, even though there's like a metal bar bolted into the door. So it's been a, it's been a wild, wild ride, but Holy smokes. I've learned a lot. So I will tell you this, if you guys are on the fence and you can't make the decision, what you should do is go back to the network piece and ask two or three of the people that you met and just say, Hey, what do you think? And if, if, and I don't think they need to approve the deal. And I will tell you that because as a, as someone who gets asked to like mentor sometimes being asked if you would sign off on a deal is scary because if it doesn't work out now, it's like, Oh man, was I at fault? Did I miss something? Did I fail them? But if you just ask them, Hey, I don't want you to tell me this is a good deal. Take a look at it. Are there any red flags? And if all three of them say, I don't see any major red flags and your, your heart thinks it's a decent deal, even remotely. And none of the other guys who were experienced people, by the way, um, (laughs) saw red flags, then go for it. Like what's the worst that can happen? All four of you missed the monstrous red flag and you go, well, that sucks. And then you reset and do it again. Um, but the odds are that that won't happen. When I bought that duplex, it was literally like run the numbers through the bigger pockets calculator asked my wife, did it feel okay? And she said, yeah, it felt, it felt better than the last one we looked at. And that was emotional, which is totally wrong. Asked my realtor, what do you think? And she said, I think it's good. And then I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's do it. And that was that. And I was like, all right, realtor, show me the way, teach me how to buy a house. I've never bought a house before. And she like, literally, she could have done anything she wanted to me in the process. And it would have been, I wouldn't have known, but yeah, learn, network, take action. Boom. Learn, network, Long answer. take action. Nah, man, that's perfect. Absolutely great. And I think we're going to leave it there. But thank you so much again for your time, man. Really appreciate the uh, wisdom that you shared on this podcast. And how can our listeners get in touch with you while they're out? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mike, thanks for thanks for having me so much. I uh, I look forward to doing more with you guys at Active Duty Passive Income. I think our our uh, our missions are are very similar. Although I think you guys have a much bigger real estate presence. And I found that as I'm slowly digging into my website, I'm slowly drifting, not from real estate, but to include a lot more just general military slash personal finance. And I don't know that that's the route I'm going to stay with, but I think we're, we're parallel in a lot of different ways. 
so my website is from military to millionaire.com. Uh, it is not because I have a million dollars in the bank, which is a question I get all the time. And I usually laugh and say, if I had a million dollars in the bank, I'd be a very terrible investor because the bank is the wrong place for it. That's, it's a journey. It's actually right. Really yeah. I mean, it's, it's a journey, right? Like if I had a million bucks sitting around, there'd be a problem. And no, I don't have a million dollars a month. Are you kidding me? I'm an enlisted Marine. Like I haven't made that much in my entire life combined. Hey, However, man, you're getting there. <laughs> we've used it well and yeah. that's what matters. And I mean, technically we own enough real estate to say that, but that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> Cause if the bank called the note, I would be left with less than a million, but from military to millionaire.com, I'm on Instagram. You will recognize the mustache. It seems to stand out. I'm never going to be allowed to shave it again because that's, I mean, literally people recognize me from that, that I've never met. So I'm like, okay, I got, I got to keep it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's anyway. So uh, there's all of that. And uh, I would love to connect, reach out. We'll chat. We'll chat Marine Corps. We'll chat, talk smack on other service branches or talk smack about me being a crayon eater or whatever joke you got. I'll take them. (laughs) I uh, I introduce myself. In fact, when people ask me about my uh, online presence, I say, it's a work in progress. And I literally describe the process as it is everything you would expect from a Marine who, as the joke goes, eats crayons, but drives trucks because I wasn't smart enough to do anything else in the military, driving trucks to trying to teach myself how to write professionally, edit script, film videos, edit videos, shoot videos, interview people. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just learning it all as I go. So if you look at my stuff nine months ago, it's terrible, but it's getting better. That's awesome, man. That is so motivating, dude. Hey, listen, you guys need to go connect with this guy. All right, please. This is, he is amazing. All right, dude. It was great having you on. Thank you so much. And I am looking forward to our little partnership because I know you're going to get there, man. You definitely are for sure. We all will together. So We all will. One big oh. military investor family. Ooh, yeah, man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> all right. I appreciate it, Mike. Yep. Later. Wow, what an incredible guy. Super, super cool and super fun to have on the podcast. Thank you so much, David. And uh, all right. So if you guys haven't subscribed yet, you need to go and subscribe to this channel. Make sure you hit that button right now. Go do it. Go do it. All right. And please connect with us on our Facebook group or our Instagram or any of our channels. You know, I want to hear from you. I really want to hear from you guys and find out what you guys are working on, what you guys are struggling with, and what you guys are looking to carry forward into the 2019 year. I'm super excited for the next couple episodes because we are going to be stressing the importance of education. Take a look at the market right now. See where things are shifting, right? Education is super important and we are here to deliver it to you. So make sure that you connect with us because we want to help you guys out. All right. I think that's it. Getting ready for the Army-Navy game. Let's go. Let's do this thing. All right. Go Navy. Beat Army. You heard it from me. Hoo-yah. Let's do it.